What happens when you get over an infection but it never really goes away? For thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people across Canada, recovering from COVID-19 hasn't actually meant recovering, but instead a long journey of potentially debilitating symptoms with no end in sight. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Vancouver Sun reporter Lori Culbert joins me to discuss how widespread long COVID is, how debilitating it can be for some patients, and how provinces are approaching treating them. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and we're even on Amazon Music now. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Lori, we're now 15 months into the pandemic. You know, we're starting to see almost the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. But for a lot of people, this is something that has actually been going on in their own bodies for quite some time. When did we start seeing cases, these so-called long haulers or people with what's known as long COVID? People with long COVID will tell you that they started experiencing these symptoms immediately after being so-called cured of COVID. So for those people who were diagnosed with COVID back in the spring of 2020, at the beginning of this pandemic, they've been suffering long COVID for many, many, many months. But if you can appreciate that the medical system was really in a state of chaos back in the early days of the pandemic, just responding to the mounting case counts, responding to people who were very ill in the ICU, it really took the medical community about a half a year at least to start turning their minds to these people who were repeatedly raising concerns about these long COVID symptoms. And in British Columbia, for example, our first long COVID medical clinic didn't open until late summer of 2020. We know that with COVID-19 itself, there's myriad symptoms you know, fever, aches, chills, risk of blood clot, you know, it's a wide ranging set of symptoms. But what is it that long COVID patients are facing in terms of symptoms after they've recovered from COVID? Yeah, so there's really a wide range. The most common complaints are fatigue, like, and when I say fatigue, I mean exhaustion to the point that they can't perform daily duties like making dinner certainly going to work or trying to perform their job is next to impossible. And a lot of them, but not all of them, complain about something called brain fog, which is really just, you can't remember that word that you usually know. You can't remember why you walked upstairs. Mm -hmm. And it's constant for them, they say. There are other symptoms, including anxiety and depression. Some, in severe cases, suffer from organ dysfunction problems affecting their lungs and their hearts. When we're talking about these symptoms, is it just a case that people may experience just one? You know, someone who had COVID may have long-term fatigue, or is it a case that you can have people that are facing a battery of symptoms? I've interviewed now about 10 people with long COVID, and they all have some symptoms in common and some symptoms not in common. So, for example, I've interviewed a middle-aged woman in Richmond, B.C., who is a science writer, very smart. She is physically okay, but mentally she has a really bad case of this brain fog, so finds it impossible to write about science anymore because she just struggles to find words. Hmm. I have interviewed a 42-year-old woman from Vancouver, British Columbia, who is mentally sharp, 
after recovering from COVID, but she's now getting around in a wheelchair and she was completely healthy before getting the virus. She just has no strength. She cannot stand. She has to use one of those shower seats to have a shower and she's 42 years old. So we're talking some symptoms that are actually quite debilitating for some of these patients. Sure. And others, of course, have less serious symptoms, but there is a very, very wide range. Do we know what percentage of COVID patients have lingering effects after they've recovered? And how long is it lasting typically? I mean, we're still dealing with people who still have these symptoms after they've recovered, but do we get a sense that when it may go away? So, no. When I interviewed the head doctor of BC's first long COVID clinic at St. Paul's Hospital, he said many of his patients struggle with these symptoms for 10 months. For some, it'll go away more quickly. And for others I've interviewed, they're still lingering after a year. What the doctors do say is that with the variants, the number of patients arriving with long COVID symptoms have increased through the second and third waves, which is a real concern for them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of international studies that look at long COVID. They estimate that people who have recovered from COVID could have long symptoms, perhaps 10% of them. Other studies say it's nearly a third. Others say it's high as three quarters. The doctors in Vancouver, they more conservatively stick with around 10% of people who have COVID are going to have at least one long symptom. But if you think about the number of Canadians that have developed this virus, that's a pretty scary number. In some of your reporting, you were saying that, you know, there were, what, 140,000 COVID cases in BC. So you're talking about potentially like more than 10,000 long COVID patients? Yeah. And that's in British Columbia alone. You think about the numbers, the possible numbers in Ontario and Quebec, for example. These are patients who, as we said, they'd be considered recovered. You know, when the case counts that provincial governments give every day, you have your active cases, you have your total cases, and you have this group called recovered. That means they're no longer contagious. They're out of the window in which they can spread COVID-19 to other people. But how do people who are in this for the long haul feeling about this notion that they're recovered? So they're very, very frustrated when they hear, you know, the Minister of Health or the Provincial Health Officer stand up and say, you know, we have X number of cases today and X number of recoveries, because from their perspective, they're far from recovered. And this, as I was saying earlier, affects people in such a large number of ways, but very few of them can return to work. So I interviewed a man from Surrey, British Columbia, who had a very successful wedding photography and wedding event planning business. And he hasn't picked up his camera for over a year. He doesn't have the physical strength to do that. So you're right. He gets very frustrated when he hears people talking about recoveries because from his perspective, he's not recovered. I also spent some time last week in British Columbia's busiest ICU, which has just been full of COVID patients for the last 15 months. And the doctors there say the patients with COVID who are on ventilators for eight or 10 weeks, they are taken off the ventilators when they can breathe on their own again. Their body is often clear of COVID, but they face months and months of physical recovery from that. So those stats are really misleading. So not only, you know, some of these lingering effects from the virus, but COVID is also taking a toll 
on racking one's body after being in hospital and being hooked up to ventilators and all of that and being weakened from that experience, that adds to this idea of long-haul symptoms, right? It hits different people in different ways. The doctors at the clinics tell me that roughly half of their patients are people who have spent weeks and weeks in the ICU hooked up to ventilators because their bodies have a long time to heal from that very invasive procedure that was used to save their lives. Mm -hmm. But oddly, the other half of their patients are people who had a very mild case of COVID, who were never hospitalized, who recovered from the virus at home, but then their symptoms just never went away and in some cases got worse. When we talk about that group, the group that had a mild case recovered at home, are we talking younger people? Because I know, you know, early on in the pandemic, when you were talking about ICU admissions and hospitalizations and deaths, you look at the stats and a lot of these cases were in this older cohort. So does that mean that the people who had mild cases who are suffering long haul symptoms are typically younger? Are they typically men over women or is it, is it a mix of people? So what we're seeing with the pandemic generally is that in the first wave, you're right, there was mainly older people who were affected by this virus. But what the doctors at the clinics are saying is that as the variants are taking their toll, the number of COVID patients are getting younger and therefore those emerging with long COVID symptoms are also getting younger. So for example, at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, 40% of the patients that they're seeing are between the ages of 40 to 60. So this is no longer in the population of people in long-term care homes. Mm -hmm. And in Surrey, which has the largest population in British Columbia and has the youngest population in British Columbia, they're seeing a big increase in long COVID patients who are in their 30s. What is the approach to managing or mitigating these cases? And is there a varied approach across provinces? Yes, so there is. You know, I've been speaking with a woman that organizes a Facebook site. Uh, She's got about 13,000 members and she has been documenting services available across Canada for long COVID sufferers. She and also experts in British Columbia say that BC has four clinics now, which seems to be the most in Canada. In Ontario, for example, the University Health Network offers some services, but I'm told they're hard to get into and it's not nearly meeting the demand. Montreal has one clinic. There's a handful in Edmonton and Calgary, but there's a frustration among these long COVID sufferers that the medical profession and the governments that fund our health system just haven't pivoted to recognize the long-term devastation that some of these people are facing without more help. So right now, when you ask about the approach to managing these cases, it's tricky because doctors don't have all the answers. They don't know what's causing long COVID and they certainly don't know how to cure it. So one of the doctors I spoke with said, he's kind of talking to the patients in the same way he would talk to someone with a serious concussion. Mm-hmm. Slow down, limit what you do every day. If you used to climb mountains, you can't climb them right now. You've just got to take it easy and see a number of specialists for the certain conditions you have. And the hope is that these people in time will recover. What is it the doctors want to see? Is it more clinics? Is it more research on the condition? And is there being a lot of research done in this area? 
so there appears to be quite a bit of research being done. There is a major study in Canada. There are certainly studies internationally on this. I think for doctors on the ground, but more importantly for the patient suffering, I mean, they realize obviously that research is important, but they are desperate for more clinics that could offer physiotherapy or chiropractic services. Many of these patients talk about aches and pains. They're feeling not listened to because even with the clinics in British Columbia, many of them get one visit and they get to see the specialist or the doctor once and then that's it. And they're Hmm. kind of then sent home and given a list of things to do, but there's no sense of long-term solutions. Is there a sense that as the public health emergency phase of the pandemic winds down that there could be more resources diverted from other parts of the health system or is that still an unknown? So I think that there's certainly a push happening for that. So you have Green and NDP MPs that are presenting petitions to the federal government, you know, that are asking for long COVID to be recognized as a health syndrome. I think as we approach, fingers crossed, the end of this third wave, we're seeing the ICUs are starting to empty out a bit. And there is a thought that some of the medical attention that has been focused on helping COVID patients could pivot to long COVID. But as I was saying earlier, victims or patients, they're frustrated that in some cases, and the long COVID doctors have backed this up, that maybe our biggest challenge right now is to get people to accept that this is actually happening to people. They say, you know, they complain about being tired, but it's really hard to get people to understand that that's actually happening. And they just want acknowledgement that this is happening and ideally the medical system to start to address it in a more serious way. So based on your interviews with patients, you'd say that one of the biggest challenges that they're facing, in addition to some debilitating physical symptoms, is just this idea of understanding. Yeah. And I've heard The doctors in the clinic say the same thing. The patients will come in after, you know, maybe trying to deal with these symptoms at home for two or three months, and they'll break down in tears when the doctor says, I believe you. I've seen X number of people come in with the same symptoms. I understand what you're going through. And that's a relief to finally be listened to and to finally not be questioned. But of course, the next question is what to do now. Well, it's fascinating stuff, and I I can't imagine what some of these patients are going through. Lori, thanks for your time. Of course. Thanks for having me. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Lori Culbert. More from her at VancouverSun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.